Hello, and welcome to Resolutions, a podcast about dispute resolution and prevention. I'm your host, Alex Green IV. Today, we welcome Lisa Timmons. Lisa Timmons is a Michigan state licensed lawyer and a state licensed civil and domestic relations mediator. She has mediated equal employment opportunity EEO disputes for the United States Postal Service as part of its redress program since 1998. Additionally, she is an arbitrator for organizations including the Michigan Department of Insurance and Financial Services, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, the Michigan Employment Relations Commission, and the American Health Law Association. She is also a State of Michigan licensed real estate broker. She holds a Bachelor of Arts from Michigan State University, a Master of Arts in Dispute Resolution from Wayne State University, and a Juris Doctor from Detroit Mercy Law. Our discussion today centers around her appointment and work as the Executive Director of the Mediation Tribunal Association, often called MTA for short, in March of 1998. As the Executive Director of the MTA, she is the Alternative Dispute Resolution ADR Clerk of the Wayne County Circuit Court. Wayne County is the most populous county within the state of Michigan with an estimated population of about 1.7 million as of the 2020 census. Detroit is the largest city in Wayne County. The MTA, located in downtown Detroit, is a nonprofit agency that provides case evaluation for some district courts, the Wayne County Circuit Court, and the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Michigan, making it the largest provider of mandated case evaluation in the state. As the executive director, Timmons oversees a staff of 10 employees and over 1,000 private attorneys that work as independent contractors. First, I'd like to thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for having me. Okay, so um, I, I wanted to get started by just having you tell us a little about case evaluation and how its relationship with mediation has evolved in the state of Michigan since it was first envisioned. You know, it's interesting in Michigan that I think case evaluation really took hold as an alternative dispute resolution process before mediation even became uh, popular. And that's had some pros and cons, but some of the pros were back in 19, well, just to give you a little background, in 1979, again, as you said, Wayne County had a huge backlog um, with cases, and there was some thought with some local attorneys about how to get some numbers behind these cases to try to move them along to see if they were ready for settlement. And the theory behind case evaluation came um, into fruition. It's a neutral, a plaintiff and a defense case evaluator that sit as um, basically arbiters or um, evaluators of a case and they place a number on it that we call an award. And if they accept that award, the case settles at that amount and you drop settlement agreement pursuant to that. Or um, if it doesn't settle, it goes on to trial. But in Michigan, largely negotiations centered around that number. Um, probably in about 1990-ish, 1999, I think, there was some some movement within our Michigan Supreme Court to kind of um, define the fact that case evaluation was not the same procedure as mediation, that it was a very evaluative uh, procedure. And mediation, you know, is um, um, very hands-off and, you know, not biased, not giving your opinion on what I think is going to happen if you go to trial, those types of things. And so they um, define the court rule, but it's kind of affected Michigan in a way 
that the cart was kind of before the horse because there's, to me, been a lot of confusion or merging of the terms. People still refer to case evaluation as mediation. And I just don't think it was as defined as some places in maybe in California where uh, mediation really took hold before um, more of an evaluative process. Okay. And isn't it true or is it true that I suppose what we now call case evaluation used to be mediation or do I have? So what happened, they, their court rule referred to case evaluation as mediation. Okay. And it's, so there for years that the court rule or the process would say, you know, go to mediation. My title was not the ADR clerk. I was the mediation clerk. Um, and then, like I said, around the late nineties to early 2000, it was, um, you know, different task groups said, hey, we need to define these processes because some of the attorneys were starting to use true mediation. The community dispute resolution centers were using true mediation. And you've probably heard the term. People started coming up with a, um, a add-on to try to define the difference. And they would say, well, we're going to go to facilitation. And so you would start hearing case evaluation and facilitation, but really facilitation is mediation. True mediation is a facilitative process. Um, and so the, you, to me, you just hear a lot of these merging of terms, but yeah, for years, case evaluation was, was referred to as mediation and you still hear a lot of confusion around that. But Now, now when case evaluation was mediation or referred to as mediation, where there's still three neutrals? Yes, it's always been a process with three, well, not always three neutrals. You okay. get a, um, so if it's a regular personal injury or tort case, there's a neutral, a plaintiff and a defense. We do have three neutrals for our commercial cases and our um, some of the business cases. Um, you will have three all neutrals on there, on that panel. Okay. So I guess that leads me into my next question as in terms of the qualifications to become a case evaluator, because mm -hmm. I understand, as you were saying, for um, no fault or, or personal injury cases, um, you have a plaintiff and a defense and a neutral. Correct. And then for like business court cases, commercial construction, a number of other like sub areas, You're you right. have three neutrals, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then what was you know, if someone wants to apply to be a case evaluator, what would they have to, what qualifications, um, you know, must they, or do you look for? Do we look for? Sure. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a court rule, MCR 2.404 um, is the one that covers case evaluation, but just generally, if you're applying for a no-fault panel, um, either plaintiff or defense, we're looking for someone that's been a practicing attorney for at least five years, and that a great deal of their practice over the past five years has been um, devoted to litigation and or trial work, such as discovery, depositions, hopefully some trials. But, you know, in Michigan, there's not a lot of trials. So some of the newer attorneys don't get their chance, don't get an opportunity to cut their teeth on a trial, but some sort of work. And then for plaintiff, at least 70% of your work should be representing plaintiffs, defendants, 70% of your work should be uh, representing defendants. Neutrals are um, a different group because we're looking for people that aren't identifiable as uh, representing plaintiffs or defendants. So um, you get people that either do both sides of the 
defense, both sides of the V, so to speak. Or now there was, uh, as of January of this year, the court rule was changed that a person with at least 15 years of alternative dispute resolution work, even if it's not trial and litigation, is now qualified to be a neutral. Um, the other case types, business, court, and commercial, um, because it doesn't matter what side of the V you're on when you're a neutral, we're looking for somebody for business court, especially that they have 10 years of experience because you know these are very, um, sometimes, not always, but sometimes they can be very complex cases that are involving trademark, non-compete, um, things of that nature, very complex cases. So we're looking for someone with 10 years of experience for business court. Okay. And um, are, are there, um, can judges be case evaluators? Not a sitting judge. Mm -hmm. So uh, we do have a lot of retired judges that um, serve as neutrals. And it's really helpful because like I said, for some of these case types, for medical malpractice and, and employment especially come to mind, you don't really have a neutral in those subcategories. Usually a practicing attorney has done one or the other. So our retired judges really fit the bill for us for um, serving as neutrals for those case types. But yes, uh, and uh, someone that's not a sitting judge can be a case evaluator. Okay. And, and just for clarification, when we talk, when we say a plaintiff evaluator and a, and a defense, it means that at least in the context of no fault, a plaintiff has sued an insurance company, right? And represents Correct. a plaintiff. Correct. You're okay. typically representing the individuals that are, um, you know, the plaintiffs that are suing for injury and the defense case evaluators are typically representing insurance companies or um, the, um, the providers or something, something of that nature in the defense category. Okay. Um, I understand that the MTA celebrated an anniversary not too long ago and that one of its founders wrote an article about the agency that appeared in Detroit Lawyer Magazine. Yes. Tell me what that legacy uh, or what the legacy of the agency means to you, um, the founder who penned the article and how you believe that the MTA has evolved since its, since its inception. Okay. Um, so Sheldon L. Miller is a plaintiff case evaluator plaintiff attorney. He's been practicing over 50 years. He works, still working out of Farmington Hills, Michigan. Um, he is one of two that came up with the idea for case eval. The other attorney was on the defense side, Samuel Garza, who was at um, Vanderveer Garza. Mr. Garza has now passed on, but I had the pleasure of knowing him before he passed on and stopped practicing. But um, they came up with the idea back in about 1975 and about how to move these cases. And they started off in a, a conference room at the court and having three people sit and start to evaluate the cases. And it worked so well that I think in about 1985, the Michigan Supreme Court adopted the process as a court rule. So the mediation tribunal is the only case evaluation um, uh, entity or unit that's outside of the court. We were formed as a private nonprofit because after that, I like to say, um, just in general, the Supreme Court said it works so well, every court's going to do it. So now it's a function that most of the courts have. But, you know, Alex, that article 
meant so much to me to try to um, distill. First of all, I believe that Sheldon Miller came up with something that was genius at the time. It served the purpose at the time. And I understand that the function is evolving and we'll probably talk about a little that a little bit within this process, podcast. But um, at the time, it was exactly what our uh, state needed to be able to move cases within the trial court system so that they weren't stagnant and people waiting for some sort of resolution. Um, outside of the, the fact that it's we've been able to resolve or touch so many cases over the past 35 something years that we've been around, my staff, it's been significant for them I had an employee that just celebrated 40 years with us this year. So she started working like right out of high school and to be able to work at an entity that has that type of staying power, that's been monumental too. So um, I was just really glad to see us be able to put that into an article to tell the, tell the history. Okay. Um, the One thing that I suppose changed the way, you know, people practice and the way courts operated was the COVID-19 pandemic. And um, tell me how the MTA was able to adapt and to adjust rather quickly to the limitations put on in-person meeting um, in, in holding your you know, case evaluation hearings. You know, just like um, any other entity, this pandemic, I can remember like March 13th, I think it was a Friday, um, we went home and over the weekend, the shelter in place orders started coming out and we had to rethink everything that we were doing. And I believe it was our court administrator, Zanelle Brown, who's the executive court administrator at Wayne County Circuit Court. I think I can attribute this quote to her. I think uh, she's the one that said the pandemic is what the legal community, nobody wanted, but what the legal community needed because it made the whole court system move light years ahead of technology. And we are probably one of the industries that's slowest to move and um, adjust to new technology and embrace things. But it was what we had to do in order to start moving cases along. And I had never heard of Zoom, Alex, before. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had been on a video conference probably with our computer programmers or something, but had never heard of Zoom before. And I think maybe about in, if the pandemic really was crazy in March, probably by the end of March, trying to figure it out, trying to learn it, what would this look like? So what we did was we started by just emailing people and saying, we put some banners on our website and said, if you're interested and trying to evaluate your case, I'll put together a panel for you. And then I would get some responses and I would have some people stand by and, you know, I'd say, okay, we got five cases and I'm going to schedule them at this time. Then it evolved into um, starting, restarting up our panels where we send notices and we schedule and we're out four months, you know, um, first it was like four weeks and then getting back to where we're supposed to be under court rule about seven weeks out. And now Zoom has worked so well for not only case evaluation, but court cases in general. I hear people saying, you know, I had um, court in Mac Wayne, Oakland, Macomb and um, I was at Redford District Court all in one day, and they have two, three devices going. And it's changed, I think, not only case about, 
mediation, um, but just court appearances in general that so often we hear new normal as a phrase that's being used. I do think this will probably be our new normal. From what I understand, um, a lot of uh, jurists are deciding that they're holding certain things in person that are challenging to do over remote technology, like a jury trial, of course. But for minor hearings, or well, no hearing is minor, but for hearings that don't include video evidence or just oral argument, I'll put it that way, I don't think that they're going to go back in person at the rate that they were before. And at the tribunal, we have made the decision that all of our case evaluation will remain remote. So um, we've addressed that by having a host. We have a host for each panel that acts as the um, administrator for the day to work the controls and the waiting room. And then our three panelists, and we set cases every 15 minutes and um, have people come in and it allows a breakout room. And it's been working well. We're getting good feedback. And along those lines, one of the things that make the Mediation Tribunal Association a bit of a pioneer was something you were instrumental in starting by making, you know, essentially a online system where you communicate with the Wayne County Circuit Court to pull your cases down. Correct. And to, so tell me a little bit about the, how cases are scheduled. Yeah, you know, we were um, happy and glad to be on the cutting edge. We were the first in Michigan to go online with case evaluation to be able to do the scheduling, the noticing, the filing of summaries, the documents, things of that nature. It was about 2016 that we rolled that out. So we have a um, sync with Wayne County Circuit Court that runs every evening. So when cases are initiated and there's a scheduling order for um, a case evaluation date that um, is one of the docket events um, pursuant to the scheduling order, we get that information. We get the attorney's information from the bar and it sinks back and forth every evening until the period of case evaluation, we become almost like the keeper of the record during that period of time. And we handle substitutions. And, you know, just to give a quick and dirty about what happens at case eval, you know, there's the process that day where people come in and they argue the case through Zoom uh, before this panel. But prior to that, they filed some summaries. They come in and they argue the case. And then there's the 28-day period, we call it the accept reject period, that you have to um, either accept or reject the, the award. And at the end of that, you know, it either, um, if you, everybody has accepted, then, um, it's resolved at that point. But during that 28-day period, the mediation tribunal handles changes to the case. So whether it's a substitution, um, if they notify us that they've dismissed the claims, anything like that, so on. We were really happy and it's probably um, advantageous to us that we went online before the pandemic. So we already had our structure in place to facilitate that. Yes, and I, and I often notice that the um, meet the people who submit their summaries, the mediation summaries or the case evaluation summaries, because case evaluation comes earlier in time often than the mm -hmm. cases that are assigned to mediation, people are submitting, you know, their case evaluation summaries as their mediation summary because, you know, because mm -hmm. it's kind of, you know, it serves very similar but different functions, but it just shows you, you know, a lot of case evaluation, am I right to say that it 
allows people to touch the cases and grapple with the issues faster? Absolutely. I have to give credit to uh, Judge Patricia Frazard. Right now, she is presiding judge of the civil division and pro tem of Wayne County Circuit Court. But in January, she will be chief judge. And one of her um, biggest, um, the biggest ad, uh, the reason she is a proponent of case evaluation so much is because she believes that without case evaluation, people probably would not touch the case until they come to a settlement conference. And I've heard a lot of the judges feel that every time a attorney actually touches the file, pulls it out literally and touches the file, looks at it, makes a phone call, it brings the parties closer to settlement because it helps you to continue to evaluate it and evaluate it. And especially without during the age of COVID now where people aren't sitting in the hallway and talking to each other before or after cases, it gives you an opportunity to still have some communication. Um, you know, that's the disadvantage to remote processes and remote trial and hearings and case evaluation that people aren't talking so much. You know, in the old days, we would at least be sitting in the hallway and have some chance to say, hey, Alex, you know, is there any room for settlement? What do you think? What do you think? But at least I think at each touch point is helpful. And I think Judge Frazard would attest to that, that um, that's one of the reasons she wants to keep that process in place. Okay. Um, as you mentioned, MCR or Michigan Court Rule 2.403 is the Michigan Court Rule for case evaluation. Correct. Um, and it had largely gone unchanged for some years until around last year, mm -hmm. um, when on or about I, I would, December 2nd, 2021, the Michigan Supreme Court Administrative Office, which revises and approves court forms as well as court rules in Michigan, made some changes to MCR 2.403. Tell me about those changes. So huge changes, like you just said, the first time we had changes to that nature and that extent. One of the biggest that probably affected the process of case about up until that point, case evaluation was mandatory. Tort cases went to case evaluation unless the attorneys or the court decided it wasn't appropriate. And typically that meant filing a motion saying, you know, this is equitable or there should be some reason we aren't going to case about. Um, also, like you said, there typically was more than one alternative dispute resolution process. Case evaluation typically came first, and then there was mediation, traditional facilitative mediation. That's changed now. Case evaluation is a can be a voluntary process. Uh, for cases filed after January 1st of this year, the parties can do an alternative dispute resolution plan, and they can identify what's best for their case. We do understand, and I say we as Wayne County Circuit Court, which is our largest client, we do understand that parties know how best to resolve their case and what might work best for their case. But with that being said, um, as I talked about Judge Bizarre, some of the judges are concerned. In Wayne County, our judges have a caseload of about 700 to about 850 cases. So it's very difficult for them to physically touch each case. So they need sometimes docket events 
to keep the case moving along. So that's why case evaluation was helpful. It came at a known period of time. Um, you couldn't adjourn it without the judge granting an adjournment. Um, however, now um, parties decide what's best for the case. Um, some Another big function that was also eliminated was sanctions. In the past, if you did not accept your award and it went on to trial and you didn't get um, that amount or better at trial, there was a possibility that the court could order sanctions attorney fees from the time that the case um, left case about the expiration of that 28-day period. And it was kind of a slap on the wrist, like, you know, you should have accepted the award and you kind of gambled and didn't accept the award. And now here we are and you're going to pay the other sides. It's almost like a switch on the American rule. You're going to pay the other sides um, attorney fees for not settling when you probably could or should have. Sanctions are removed now. Um, one of the concerns the judges have is that um, they want to make sure they're still teeth to the process. Sanctions kind of held people accountable and really made them think long and hard about whether or not they were going to accept or reject an award because months down the line, it could be very expensive to the client if they didn't. Now that that's removed, it kind of is twofold, Alex. It lets people um, maybe participate a little easier without that um, you know, ax hanging over them and having to worry about what's going to happen. But at the same time, we're just kind of hoping that it also makes people take the process seriously. You know, it's a little early to tell. It's just we're into um, almost into June, six months into this process. So it's hard to tell what effect it'll have at this point. Yeah, um, I can understand that because it often takes a little bit of time, you know, based after a rule changes for things, the mm -hmm. cases to catch up with it, whether it, at the time of filing or, you know, what people choose to use. I, I understand that all judges are not even interpreting the effective date of the rule in the same way. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I can understand how that might be a, um, you know, a concern. The other thing I wanted to mention, I guess I sh should go back a little bit. What is an award? I, we use this term award. Since, yeah. know, what is an award? So an award is a dollar amount, just to use a very simple case. If there's a dog bite case, for example, and plaintiff is asking for $10,000 worth of damages and defense says, no, we've got some defenses. Um, maybe the dog was provoked or whatever were their affirmative defenses and they offer um, 5,000. Um, it would go before this panel. Everybody would file summaries. You would do an oral argument based on what your position was, and the panel would put a, a, a dollar amount on it. Um, there's some discussion in Wayne County and probably statewide on what the awards should be. Um, in Wayne County, the typical theory is that the award should be what's, uh, what would settle the case. Some people historically used to think that it was um, that they should award what would uh, a Wayne County jury award the case. But um, this is about re resolving cases. And so not necessarily what a jury might award, but what would it take to resolve the case given what's been presented at that point? So say between the, the five and the 10, the, the panel puts an award of $8,000 there, then, then they have 28 days each side to either accept or reject that. If both accept the 8,000, then it settles at that amount. And, and, and neither side knows 
whether the other side has accepted or rejected until yeah. the death, right? Correct. It's That's inspired. part of the, the chess play, the, um, you know, and there's so many aspects of law that are almost like a chess game. You've got to think one step ahead. You're correct. You don't know. You don't even know if they've responded, first of all, but you don't get to know if they've said um, accept or reject. Nobody knows what's happened until the end of the 28-day period. Um, there's, that's even gone to the Court of Appeals. There's some case law on that. And uh, in addition, I can't change my mind. So if I accept or reject within that 28-day period, I can't change my can't change my um, election on that either. So at the end of the 29th day, we release the results and we let people know whether it was accepted or rejected or who rejected at that point. And how does someone accept, uh, you know, or how does a party accept an award? Is it as simple as going on the website and just seeing the award posted and hitting accept or reject? We've made it um, as simple as going on the website. It's Mm -hmm. a little radio button. You just click it and accept. However, um, if people want to email a response, you can still do that. You can mail it, fax it, things of that nature. Okay. Am I able to do anything other than accept or reject? Um, in terms of an award? Called limited awards. Um, and it gets a little technical, but limited and conditional. Sometimes if I want my award, my response to be contingent on what other people do. Um, you know, I'm not a litigator, but um, some examples that I've heard are maybe a PIP claim where there's other defendants in the case. And I don't want to be the last man standing, so to speak. So sometimes they'll say, well, I'll accept if all the other defendants accept. And so it becomes conditional or it's limited on I'll do this if this happens. So some of them get a little um, complicated. I'll put that layers to it, but they're able to give some conditions. And there's there's part of the court rule that kind of govern that and outline what you can um, the limits on that. And speaking of PIP or personal injury protection cases, is that the majority of your business for the majority of the cases that you handle? It is. The majority of the cases are personal injury and of the personal injury cases, the majority are no fault. Um, You probably know um, last, I think it was last year, July of 21, it was either 20 or 21. In Michigan, there were also a lot of changes to the Our No Fault Act. Um, So we thought that that may affect some of the cases that were coming down the pike to us. But again, it's a little early to see if we have seen a, um, any impact from that, if there's less filing or a difference of filing. But yeah, the PIP is what we call the personal injury protection. And that's typically when people have gone to providers um, to get different services as a result of an accident that they've been in. Okay. And just for clarification, I, don't, I may not have mentioned it earlier, but when we refer for snowfall, it's um, Michigan is one of several states, I think perhaps 50% or more of the states in the U.S. have this system for, um, you know, automobile or auto accidents. Um, so mm-hmm. a no-fault system of liability. Um, yeah. What is, what would you say are the biggest uh, advantages of case evaluation? So I think one of the biggest is, biggest advantages of case evaluation is the expertise that you get for the, right now, the case eval fee is $75. So for $75, I get a panel of three seasoned litigators that give me feedback on my case. 
whether I like the number, the award, whether I accept it or reject it, I get to hear what they have to say. I get to hear what kind of questions they ask. I get to look at the award and it gives me an opportunity to give some feedback to my client about that either we're asking too much, we're coming in too low, perhaps we need to course correct or we're on track. I just think that's very valuable for the amount of money, especially, and the time that goes into it to get that type of feedback. Another positive from Quesadal um, that I've always argued this, that even if it doesn't accept within that 28-day period, you have a baseline for future negotiations. So if you go to mediation after case evaluation, you don't really start all over again from the initial arguments. You'll start typically one of the first questions I'll ask, well, what did it evaluate for? What did it case about? That's the short, shortened term. What did it case about for? And um, typically even settlement negotiations largely start to re revolve around that. And that's really a plus of whether it's case eval or not, but sometimes having multiple ADR processes, even if you decide, you know what, we're going to go to mediation on one claim, then we're going to go on another claim and then another claim. We're going to kind of bifurcate these and split these claims up. I just think sometimes it's successful for people to think in that mindset that we don't have to we don't have to attack the whole thing all at one time. Let's chunk it up, you know, and, and think of it in smaller, discrete parts. And um, how can we resolve that? But those are the two pluses to me um, from the process. And in mentioning um, the ability or the, um, you know, the advantage of getting a number, right, an award for your case, um, what are some of the criticisms that you hear of case evaluation? So the, some of the criticisms that I hear are that um, people would like more time. You would like more, you know, right now um, the court rule allows, um, I think, half an hour and they feel like they would like more time to really get into the meat of the case and have more discussion. Um, the panels are randomly assigned. So you may or may not get someone with the amount of experience that if you were to choose your own um, private case evaluator. Um, and um, a lot of times I just hear that they feel, I get response, not feel, I get response that there's a perception that the case evaluators just split the baby. You know, if we come in asking uh, for certain amounts, they just cut it in half and it doesn't really matter what they were, what the merits of the case are. Um, to address some of those things, Alex, we are looking at, um, you know, we don't want to be a blockbuster in a Netflix age. We want to continue to adjust and see and make some changes based on some of the feedback that we've gotten. So we are in the process of trying to come up with um, what we call special panels. Our court rule allows us to let people have their own panel. Um, and so the thought behind it, we haven't um, fine-tuned it yet, but the thought behind it is to have lists of neutrals and plaintiff and defendants and let people choose who they would like to hear their case and maybe give them a long period of time, like an hour um, to a couple hours to really get into the meat of the case, um, you know, if they want to pay the extra amount for that. But I think it would give people the opportunity to really kind of talk about the nuances and strengths and weaknesses and perhaps move forward with a different level of um, 
maybe agreement outside of that, or at least understanding of the case as you move forward? Okay, that that sounds like a really novel idea. People could sort of, in some way, again, have more self-determination and control over the outcome of their cases, you know, by having more choice over even who's, you know, evaluating it. Um, but I, but we, we, but the randomness of the evaluation now of the evaluators is, of course, to preserve, um, you know, the integrity of the process. Correct. It is. Okay. It is. Yes. Okay. Because we don't want people necessarily having prior relationships with evaluators and things of that nature. And there is a process, of course, if there is, if a, if an evaluator has a conflict. Correct. Correct. You know, and I know, you know, as a ADR professional, actual or perceived bias is huge, you know, to be able to have some sort of integrity in the process. So that is why it's random. However, there is an option. If you um, want to allege uh, that there's a conflict, then it's the same court rule in Michigan for recusal of a judge. Um, so people would bring it to my attention. And we asked the case evaluator, hey, this is what's been um, explain to us, will you, are you willing to recuse yourself? And for the most part, it works well. We just move it, move the case to another panel. Um, we in Wayne County, because of course we're so large, we tend to run three to five panels a day. So usually it's not a problem moving a case, but, um, yeah. And, you know, as we were talking about the idea of for $75, you get three experienced, um, you know, arbiters or, you know, evaluators, probably mm -hmm. is the best term for it, of the dispute. Um, one thing, I don't know if it's all parties feel the same way or have the same thought, but there's the same, one of the things that makes it advantageous has also been a criticism. Can you speak more to that about the, the number itself being a floor or a ceiling to, you know, future negotiation? Oh, whether the award is a, a floor or a ceiling, I guess, and again, because I'm not, you know, I'm on the administration side, um, I'm just hearing feedback, but I guess sometimes you feel that it, there's some feedback that it could lock you in. You know, for example, say the number didn't come out in your favor and it's not, you would like it to be much higher or lower than it was. I guess at some point it can lock you in and then people would have to try to backpedal all the future negotiations or case evaluation, not to, ADR touch points to try to argue why that number shouldn't be representative of where they are. It shouldn't be a settlement figure. So that could be that could be an issue too. Yeah. It would be interesting to see. I don't know if their data has been published as to when the cases finally do settle, what how close they are, you know, even if they use mediation later, um, how close they were to the case evaluation number. Because I would love to see that because that was one of my challenges that from what I understand, all the data focused on what happened in that 28 day period, because that's what we could mark. So we call ourselves the big three, Wayne County, Oakland County and Macomb County, because we're the three largest trial courts. The big three all have numbers in about 16 uh, to about 22% of cases resolved during that 28 day period. However, I've always argued, but we haven't been able to track it, that I think a large number of cases still settle probably within a very close range to that, even after the case evaluation period, um, except reject period is expired. And I probably should backtrack because I noticed I really didn't go in a chronological order in this respect. Where in the life of the case does case evaluation routinely happen? 
So case evaluation comes after discovery. The um, case is initiated, summons and complaint. You know, there's a 91 day period to answer. And then after the answer, at the very first status conference, the judge does a status conference scheduling order and assigns tracks. Usually it's a track one and case evaluation will come right at the end of discovery. Um, and um, that allows people to gather all the information in order to make their arguments at case evaluation. You know, what are the medical reports? What is the accident report? What is the, you know, for a business case, um, do your interrogatories and your depositions and everything that's necessary in order to write a thorough summary. That's why it's very important that it come at the close of discovery. Otherwise we'll get, you know, and typically there's a lot of um, adjournments of discovery or motions to compel, things of that nature. And um, they will adjourn case eval accordingly if they're not prepared for it. Okay. And what do you see? I mean, I know this is very broad, but you can answer how, you know, kind of what, of course, it's a very open-ended opinion question. Um, what do you see as the future of case evaluation in Michigan? I see where we're trying to go now, um, more um, party-driven as far as selection and process. I see um, not a straightforward case evaluation model that is um, you get a, plain, a neutral plaintiff in defense and you have the 28-day period to accept or reject. From what I'm seeing, people that are opting out of the traditional model and choosing private case evaluation like a one-person model, that's where I think is the future. I think people being able to design their own process. Do I want one person, two people, or three people? Do I want an hour or two hours? Um, I'm seeing a lot of what we would probably call within the field, Alex, um, Mead Arb, where they mediate it first. And then if there's no resolution, the case evaluator puts a number on it um, based on what came out at mediation. Um, and I think sometimes that's helpful. Um, it probably is challenging knowing that this person is going to put a number on it. You may affect how much you're willing to disclose within the mediation. But I just to summarize it, I think more party driven processes. And again, like I said, I don't think one and done is the future for ADR, at least in Michigan. I think parties will see that they may need one or more processes in order to get a case resolved. And um, that may mean um, uh, taking claims one by one, parties one by one, um, however that works. Um, but I think it's going to be more of a fluid party-driven process. Yeah. And along, you know, in that same vein, we've talked about a continuum, right? Mm -hmm. Of dispute resolution services, right? Yeah. It's not just yeah. one. Um, you know, maybe at different points for different things, for different issues, one ADR process may be more advantageous than another. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, you know what? I, we, you've been a wealth of information. I'd like to thank you for joining me today and for providing insight as the case evaluation as an ADR tool. Um, as for many years, and to some extent even today, it is an ADR mechanism that is unique to Michigan. Um, therefore, I can say with some certainty that there are many people who operate outside of Michigan, whether it be nationally or internationally, who have never heard of case evaluation. 
Hopefully, ADR practitioners may find this ADR tool helpful and may implement it in courts and mediation centers as they deem appropriate. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.